This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for February 2nd, 2022. The NPC podcast was created to discuss and consider the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry during the COVID era. We'll continue the healthcare conversation by answering questions sent by listeners, just like you. This program is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Imprez is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Imprez tailored best in class solutions at www.imprez.com. Our guest today is Sandra Heller, Canadian General Manager of CGEN. She'll join your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch, to talk about career paths that lead to the corner office and other subjects of interest. To start this week's conversation, here is Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome to the NPC Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mitch Shannon. We're back in our podcast, Gondola on Carlton Street, which offers an unimpeded view of absolutely everything taking place below. And on my left is Mark McElwain, the consultant and senior health policy expert. Mark, happy 2022. Hello, hello. So how many New Year's resolutions have you broken so far? Resolutions. This year, I'm trying to cut down on making them. Yeah, probably wise. And on Mark's left is Mr. January, James Shea, the general manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education. Jim, are you welcoming this fresh start in 2022? Well, I'll take it as a fresh start being the minus 28 the other day, and that's as fresh a start as I really want. So, you know, it's going to be a tough one, I think. Yes, yes. Okay. So altogether, we are known as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the best names have already been spoken for, such as Ottawa Red Blacks and Ozempic. Guys, uh, we welcome to today's podcast, Sandra Heller, the GM of CGEN Canada. CGEN's mission is to discover, develop, and commercialize transformative cancer medicine to make a meaningful difference in people's lives. Sandra, that's a powerful raison d'etre, and it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here with you guys today. Great. Well, CGEN is still a somewhat new name in Canada, but the company's been around since 1997 as Seattle Genetics. And I recall driving down I-5 in Seattle and seeing that name on a smokestack. So it's been out there for a while. So you've had a longstanding focus on cancer care. Tell us a bit more about CGEN. Yeah, it's a great question. And as you say, so the company is over 20 years old, really has been focusing on biotechnology with ADCs really being, you know, as the foreground of the company, which are antibody drug conjugates. Very exciting technology that was developed by the Seattle Genetics team. And actually a number of companies now are actually using that technology. So it's gone beyond just Seattle Genetics. I will say the organization has changed significantly over time. So we've moved from being a one product company to having multiple products now commercialized, including here in Canada. But there was a big change that took place in 2020 when we decided to change the name of the company. So we moved, as you said, from Seattle Genetics to CGEN. And really the impetus for that was to focus on the international scale now. So it was no longer just a Seattle-based organization or a US-based organization. We now have offices here in Mississauga, and we have offices and affiliates in Europe as well. So exciting times, and the focus is and continues to be on cancer care and on patients. It's Jim here. 
So prior to your current role at CGen, you were very active in oncology management and sales at Gilead and at Roche. So you have a lot of experience in the area. Would you say that there's a different kind of culture among the physicians working in the cancer area? I would, you know, so outside of oncology, I've also had a lot of experience in multiple sclerosis and in other therapeutic areas. I find with the oncologists, they have this really great blending of an entrepreneurial spirit as well as a bit artistic because there's really this opportunity for them. There are guidelines in a lot of occasions and in a lot of different therapeutic areas that, that are quite driven for where the patient is going to be going. However, there's also a lot of opportunity for them to be able to have that artistic flair. And it's not always start with A, then go to B, then move to C. So in terms of, you know, as a group, I would say my experience with oncologists is I would really say that they're entrepreneurial and enterprising. Right. That sounds like they're putting the practice in the practice of medicine, actually. Exactly. Yes. And there's a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about it from a cancer perspective, you know, the patient has to be the focus. These are oftentimes, unfortunately, very difficult diagnoses for patients. And they're, they're not just affecting the patient. They affect everyone in their family. and you know, I, I think, Jim, if you think about it, I don't think there's a single person in Canada who hasn't been touched in some way by cancer, right? Whether it's someone in their family, a, a friend. So it's unfortunately an area where there's always a lot of need. Yeah, absolutely. Sandra, it's Mark. Last October, you spoke at the National Pharmaceutical Congress about your career journey. And I recall you mentioning once working in the front shop at a pharmacy on the front cash and then joining a consulting company running patient support programs earlier in your career. So how would you say those earlier jobs shaped your approach to leadership? It's a great question. You know, I reflect back on those times and I did. I started as a cashier at a pharmacy at the time, long gone pharmacy now, and then moved into becoming a pharmacy assistant or a technician. And even from those roles and then moving into the consulting company and patient support programs, I would say it's interesting. My career has really been very patient centric and not just, you know, the words, but actually seeing the patients coming, dropping off their prescription. I remember really wondering, you know, what it was that they were taking that medication for. And it ignited a lot of interest at the time and just excitement in trying to understand that. And then moving to the patient support program where Honestly, you're spending your days talking to patients. You are spending your days hearing their stories and helping them to try to find some kind of reimbursement for that. So I think for me, it's really instilled that, you know, at the end of the day, there's always a person, a human at the end of this. It's the patient that we have to keep reminding ourselves of. And I say that actually in my career path, I've continued to always go back to that drive and that reminder of a patient. It's really important to not get so caught up in the business aspect that we forget, you know, the person at the end of it. So I'd say those early experiences really shaped me. And then that has shaped how I lead the team in terms of reminding ourselves and remembering you know, not getting too far away from the actual day-to-day -day experience that those patients may be going through. You also mentioned the importance of being curious, recognizing opportunities when they present themselves. Do you have an example of an opportunity that you took that became pivotal in your career? 
Yeah, I would say there's probably two that are quite, you know, resonate a lot. So the first one is actually, I was asked to bring a patient support program in-house to a pharmaceutical company. So in the early days of patient support programs, they tended to be run more by consulting companies. And then one of the companies decided, you know what, why are we having this done externally? Why not bring it in-house and see how we can run it and, and really work the business that way? So that was an opportunity that I took, and it took me down a path of learning a lot about areas that I, I never would have touched, you know, computer systems and software and telephony and training individuals and making sure that you had the right amount of firewalls in terms of commercial not having access to information. So the, I would say that was one that was quite pivotal in me taking, you know, a chance and being curious. I would say, believe it or not, the beginning of my career with CGen actually was a very similar opportunity. So I came on board in a hybrid role. And you might be surprised to hear that hybrid role included a small sales territory. So I started in a role that was sales territory as well as managing the sales team. And that was, you know, on paper, a number of steps maybe that one would say wasn't necessarily in a forward movement from a career path perspective. But I thought, first of all, this is likely to be a small time, and this is what's needed to see the organization grow. And again, you know, going back to your earlier question, it's actually quite important that I ended up having those early experiences to see and touch the new systems that we were implementing as a company, to hear the customers, to understand how Seattle Genetics was being perceived when we first came into the market. So I don't regret any of it, but I, I would say it's not typical for a lot of people to kind of go, you know what, you've been a, at that point, I was not only a senior PM, I'd also been a national sales manager. And here I was accepting to go into, you know, a hybrid role that was really unheard of. So I'd say those are two areas where I, I really just kind of took a chance and followed the path of just seeing where these opportunities were going to present themselves for me. And here we are six years later, I'm, I'm now the general manager. Very, very interesting. Yeah. It's Jim here again. I guess your NPC talk was memorable because I recall you mentioning knowing a little bit about a lot of things and I'm kind of like that too. How has this impacted how you manage your teams and promote development amongst your employees? Yeah. So the great news about knowing a little bit about a lot of things is that there's this constant drive to continue to learn, right? And I think when you're a small size organization, on some levels, you actually don't have much of a choice. There aren't teams there to help support you. So if there's something that needs to be done for the first time, someone's got to be the one who's driving it. And so I think when you've got smaller size organizations, you do have these opportunities to continue to grow not necessarily always in an upwards path, but actually more from a breadth perspective. And that's something that, you know, with the Canadian leadership team, I would even say individuals just in the last year that are in the leadership team, we could all tell you, we learned something new in 2021 that was new to us. And we've all been, you know, in the industry 15 plus years. So there's this constant, you know, evolution that we need to go through. And I think that that's something that we continue to instill there's also the reality of small organizations. You don't always have as many opportunities for promotional growth in an upwards manner. And so it's important to have, I think, those conversations with employees to make sure that, number one, they understand that that's the reality of smaller size organizations. And number two, that learning and growth doesn't have to be just in an upwards manner in terms of your promotions. You can learn a lot by 
integrating yourselves with other departments within the organization. Yeah, sounds like a fun place to be, actually. So it's Jim here again. You took on the role of GM at uh, CGEN fairly early on in the pandemic. What was that like? (laughs) It was interesting. I look back to when I took on this role. So not only were we going through the pandemic, uh, believe it or not, we were launching our second product. We just received our approval for our second product. And I was informed a couple of weeks after I took on the role that there was going to be a structure change in terms of reporting structure. And so I moved from reporting into the U.S. to reporting into the international region. And all of that was happening as I was becoming GM, as well as, you know, unfortunately, the the pandemic situation. So it was definitely a time that we were going through a lot of ambiguity, right? And a lot of things that were happening. I think what ended up happening, quite honestly, is that it provided an opportunity to be very laser focused and to really think about what are the things we really have to do and have to do those right. And honestly, let go of the other things right now, like focus on the absolute must-dos, focus on the employees, because we were all also going through at the end of the day, you know, other things outside of work that were challenging as well. So it really made us be quite strict in our approach. And, you know, you look back on it and you kind of go, oh, well, we didn't do A and we didn't do B and we didn't do C, but that's okay. Given the opportunity and given, you know, what was going on at the time, we did the best that we could. And I think that we navigated through that ambiguity quite well. If able to do it again, are there things I would change? Absolutely. But, you know, we are here where we are now. And I think we've fared quite well as an organization and we've fared well during this ongoing pandemic. So it's the best that I can ask for. Yeah, it sounds like you were forced into implementing best business practices by the situation. So that's actually a good thing. And the other thing that actually reflecting back on it, We also, our second product that we got approved ended up going through Orbis program, which was relatively new to us as an organization. And it's quite surprising how much faster you can actually get an approval if you are participating in Orbis. I mean, half or a third of the time less. So even that, it was, you know, quite surprising to us some of the timelines. So we also just simply didn't have time to do some things that we would have done having been given more of a traditional time frame when you're looking at Health Canada approvals. So there was a lot of things that came into the mix in 2020 that had us move the way that we did. You're listening to the NPC podcast with our guest, Sandra Heller, the GM of CGEN Canada. So how has CGEN fared during the pandemic? You're a publicly traded company, so I think there's going to be more than one answer to that question. Great question. How has the company as a whole fared? I would say, well, I would say, you know, as with all companies, there's been some areas where we've had more trouble than others. That being said, locally, from a Canadian perspective, we were a small size organization going into the pandemic. I mean, quite honestly, we couldn't get any smaller. So how have we fared through it is that we ended up making decisions during that period of time where we had to hold off on certain things and we waited and decided to see, you know, what's going to happen right now? Where are we going to be in a month's time? And then comes a time where you just have to move forward, right? I mean, I think we all hit different strides during that period of time and you realize none of us are ever going to be able to predict what's going to happen. So we moved forward with plans and we moved forward and grew the organization, but we had made 
some decisions. I mean, we were in a unique situation of being so small that, you know, when we were going to launch our second product, we didn't end up bringing on a second team right away. Because in this type of environment, we thought, does it make sense? You know, do we look at the resources we currently have and just deploy them differently? So we were lucky, I would say, that, you know, the timing of when this ended up happening and where we were at in the organization gave us that ability to be flexible and to really adapt as much as we could. Again, though, there are, you know, some other things where you you kind of look back and go, again, I wish that there were some things that if we hadn't had some barriers or some hurdles, hiring individuals, you know, in a, a virtual environment isn't easy for everyone. It's difficult that you don't have the same way of being able to bring teams together and to really grow together as an organization. So, you know, some of that we have to be mindful of. We're always basing our feelings and our thoughts on what we're seeing on the screen, not necessarily, you know, the other aspects that we're not privy to because it's just not visible. So there's a certain amount of trust that you have to put in. And honestly, when you're just starting to build that trust and it's all virtually, it's an interesting environment for sure. Sandra, it's Mark. So the emerging story about the pandemic is how it's affected other parts of the healthcare system. And cancer's one of those things that shouldn't wait. So how has COVID-19 affected things like clinical trials or patient support programs for cancer patients at CGEN? Yeah, clinical trials for sure have been impacted by COVID. There's no doubt about it. We have had instances where we have sites that unfortunately have either had to withdraw participating in certain clinical trials because they don't have the capacity or aren't able to sign on because they don't have the capacity. So there's definitely been a significant struggle in terms of the clinical trial side of things. From the patient support program side, I'll be honest, we haven't seen as much of a struggle. I will say that some levels having patient support programs has actually alleviated a little bit of you know, what's happening in the hospitals. So if they are getting infusions outside of hospitals, it's alleviated a little bit of the workload there. But at the end of the day, where has it impacted the most? I'm sure that we will end up finding, you know, and have heard anecdotally, and even with some actual data that patients, unfortunately, aren't getting to their doctors as early as they should. So diagnoses are going later than they should. And by the time, you know, sometimes they're diagnosed with certain cancers, they may be further along in their cancer journey, which changes treatment options that are available for them. Or there may be, you know, situations where we've faced with Hodgkin's lymphoma where patients aren't able to have a transplant. So as a result of it, it's changed some of the treatment approaches that have happened. Again, in cancer, you've got, you know, some medications that are given orally, some medications that are done through injections or infusions. And again, when we've had certain areas of the country where you've had stronger issues or larger issues from COVID, it has caused some resource issues at hospitals. So there's been changes in approach that they wouldn't necessarily have taken if it had been an environment without the pandemic. So cancer has been hit for sure, like many other issues that are happening right now in the healthcare area. Yeah, it's Jim here. It's too bad that we can't treat these diseases virtually. Now, you mentioned virtual business practices and you are a global organization. So what virtual business practices are CGEN doing that you think other companies could actually learn from? 
I'll be honest, I don't think we're necessarily doing anything differently than other companies. I think a lot of companies have had to pivot and make changes as many of us have. I would say as an industry, it has been great to see how we are able to continue to help on the education side, albeit different, right? So it's great to see now that, you know, there's a continuation of individuals, even with a pandemic situation that are still quite interested in participating in educational activities. Granted, all of them are virtual at this stage. We're still able to have advisory boards. We're still able to hold, you know, a lot of the things that in the day we used to lose more time in travel. And now we're able to have those, you know, in the evenings, we're able to have them when it suits perhaps a little bit better. So that's some of the silver lining of this environment that we're living in. As a small size organization, to be honest with you, I would say where we weren't, compared to other companies, where we weren't ready for this pandemic is we didn't have a lot of budgets coming into it in terms of marketing and digital activity. So that was an area that for us, probably compared to other companies, we needed to come up to speed much faster and haven't had as much of a presence. And so... Again, I think, you know, every company has had to take different approaches and and different ways of being able to make sure that the information is getting out there and some of it's resonating and some of it, you know, we have to take a second or a third or even a fourth approach. Well, it sounds like you were nimble. Let's put it that way. It's not virtual. Maybe virtual caused you to be more nimble. (laughs) Absolutely. I would agree for sure. Sandra, it's Mark. And As a final question, we invite you to the part of the program we call Prognostication Corner. And of course, we spell corner with a K. So let's take out our proprietary crystal ball and ask, do you have some predictions for the pharma industry as we turn the the corner into 2022? Predictions. So I think, you know, some of them don't require necessarily a crystal ball. I think we're all going to see that we're going to continue to have an evolution that's going to happen, you know, and, and the industry has changed. I think, I don't think we're going to be going back 100% to where we used to be two years ago, 2019 and before. Which honestly, I think that if we take the positives out of it, I think that we're going to find ways of perhaps all being better about things like work-life balance, not just for the employees, but for our healthcare professionals who are really facing a brunt of a lot of work right now. So I think that's something that we're much more attuned to having gone through this. I think, you know, the reminder of all of us being humans (laughs) has been something that's been a great learning over this course of time. And I hope that we don't forget that. I hope that we actually don't go back to, you know, all of the activities that we used to do in the past and felt that that was the only way of doing them is being there in person all the time, long hours, you know, lots of travel. So my prediction is we're going to continue to have an evolution that's going to happen. I predict we're going to find that, honestly, that healthcare professionals are going to be a lot more in the driver's seat of being able to choose what they want to participate in and how they want to receive that information. And I think we're going to find that's going to evolve, right? I think some of them might start by saying, yeah, I want to continue with most things virtual. And then at some point they might be interested in trying to start, you know, a little bit more face-to-face again. And then everyone, I think, is going to find that area where you're comfortable, the ones where you're completely fine continuing on a virtual level, the ones where you do see that you're missing out on things, you're missing, you know, the 
the conversations that happen around the, the tables and you're missing those intellectual debates that you can't have when it's more of a one-on-one -on -one virtual environment. So my prediction is we're going to get to the end of the year. There's going to be percents of people throughout Canada that are going to be wanting to remain virtual, wanting to move completely away from virtual, and a huge portion of people that are going to want to stay in some kind of hybrid environment. Well, those are some great insights. We've been chatting with Sandra Heller, General Manager of CGEN in Canada. Sandra, thanks for joining us. Me and the boys wish you good luck and good health for the coming year. Thanks, you as well. Do you have questions for Sandra, or any comments for us about today's conversation? If so, tag us on Twitter at 2021NPC. You can also send an email to health at chronicle.org. Attach a voice clip to your message and you might appear in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed today's NPC podcast, please do share it with your colleagues. Find us at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or pretty much, wherever you get your podcasts. We invite you to attend next week's NPC Winter Webinar, which we have declared Ronnie Miller Day. Register now at www.tiny.cc slash npcronnie. That's spelled N-P-C-R-O-N-N-I-E. The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next-generation commercial partner, Check them out at www.imprez.com. I'm your announcer, Leona Void of Chronicle Companies. The podcast producer is Jeremy Dad Joke Visser. John Evans and Catherine Brenders provided research. The musical theme is performed with admirable aplomb by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro Ludomir Melbrook. We'll speak again next week when our guest will be Michelle Lafoy of Dermtech Pharma, and, until then, stay safe.